What's going on, y'all? This is Bud Elliott here of the Nolcast. I am back from the AFCA coaching convention, and uh, Ingram and I's schedules did not match up, but I really I, I didn't want to go a week without an episode, so I'm going to go ahead and do a little, uh, little Q&A from our Patreon, patreon.com slash Nolcast listeners here, and share uh, a couple things that I got from the convention that are, are FSU relevant. Uh, I was talking to Brennan Sinone yesterday on the flight back, or well, before we took off, obviously can't really be on the uh, can't be on the phone there on the flight. But uh, a good convention. Most of the stuff not super relevant to uh, to FSU, but a, a couple things uh, that were. So before I get to those Patreon questions, we'll talk about that. But before that, I do want to give a shout out to Tarpon Cellars Winery, just an awesome sponsor for us, as well as Louisiana Hot Sauce. Those guys have been with us from the jump and really appreciate their continued sponsorship of the Nolcast. So uh, anyway, yeah, I was out there at the convention and uh, got some interesting stuff. I think I, you know, it's worth sharing on some of FSU's transfers. Uh, first, the good. or Well, I think it's good. I mean, maybe some could view it as, as bad. But on Deuce Span. I actually talked to a source uh, who was familiar with his time at Illinois and he's like, Hey, I mean, we're just, you know, we're all grabbing drinks. What, what do you think about span? And the guy in Illinois said, uh, if you can just get him to focus on playing receiver, he could make the NFL. I was like, Oh, okay. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Focus on playing receiver. And this guy basically said, hey, we had issues with people in his ear telling him he was a quarterback, and he's definitely not a quarterback. He can't play quarterback at the college level, at least not at the Power 5 level, if you could get him to stay focused and committed to playing just the receiver position and really buy into it, Norvell might really have something there. So I, th- I thought that was that was interesting. I know I read some articles that mentioned that FSU had discussed playing emergency QB I don't know if that's uh, to tell him to to get him to, to come, but it seems like there's maybe there's some real potential there. And obviously, of course, there is some potential there because you took a guy that had five catches. So uh, to some extent, you had to believe that there's some potential there to unlock. And you don't take a transfer if you don't think there's some kind of ability uh, with the kid, but I thought that was, that was fairly, uh, fairly impressive. Um, The other thing is maybe not so positive, but then again, I think it might just reflect more on where the FSU receiver room is. And I was grabbing drinks with a couple guys who are our personnel folks in the PAC 12. And they were like, what is FSU doing taking the Oregon receiver and the Arizona State receiver? Because they, they know I went to Florida State for undergrad. And, you know, I'm sure if they see my Twitter, they know, they know I do Nolcast. They're, they're probably not listeners. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And they're like, we wouldn't take those kids. And I was like, well, I, I, I think you guys have to understand where FSU's receiver room is at. I mean, they, they don't think anybody in that receiver room except for McLean is is going to be a pro player. And McLean is obviously, or was a, a true freshman who didn't light the world on fire, but has some has some ability. And you don't really have much of a 
a quarterback throwing the ball right now, so to speak. So it's not really an attractive offense for receivers to come to right now. Um, but even after I told them that, they're like, eh, I don't know, man. We'll see. I was like, okay. Anyway, just passing that along. Probably uh, better news than I expected to hear <laughs> on Span. Obviously, the, the idea that he could be an NFL player uh, and if they can get him to just focus on receiver and buy into that, uh, that's to the good. And we'll see if it's to the bad or not. Um, but I don't know. Like, are, are you happy if you get if you get one of Pittman or or, or Wilson to hit? I I think so. Probably. I wonder if you hit the staff with the truth serum. Uh, what they would say on that? That's probably the main uh, Knowles related note that I got uh, from the convention. I did hear uh, a couple guys when I was talking to at that, that same bar, we were talking about some of the top guys in the 24 seven sports transfer portal. And a couple schools said that if they thought they could get Jared verse in, they would have taken him. So they like him a good bit. One guy told me he's not quite as sold that he's, you know, Jermaine Johnson level. And I was like, well, I mean, you're the coach, but I don't think anybody at FSU is expecting him to replace Jermaine Johnson. Keep in mind, if FSU and the whole world knew that Jermaine Johnson was going to be Jermaine Johnson, they would not have gotten him. Even with Mike Norvell's relationship with Dan Lanning and the other connections they had to, to the player, I mean, if he was a no-doubt you know, top 100 pick and we knew that, I don't think a team coming off 3-9 and nine which are three and what six because they had the weird scheduling that year with, with COVID. I don't think a three win team is going to get a Jermaine Johnson if we knew how good he was going to be. So that coach is probably right that verse is not Jermaine Johnson. Uh, but still, uh, I think FSU is going to be pretty happy to have, to have verse in there, especially considering the drop off you're likely going to have at that position. Okay, let's go ahead and get into some of these Patreon questions. I don't have these in a sheet, so I'm literally just scrolling through our NOLCAST Patreon email. Uh, Brett asks, I know that Travis Hunter was a generational athlete, uh, and his loss will have ripples. However, it would appear that the NIL money they had set aside for Hunter uh, has been reallocated to hold on to players, uh, i.e. Robinson, uh, or help land transfers, i.e. Verse. If an organization needs a lot of help, isn't it better for us to distribute those funds across a bunch of roles and improve our too deep rotation than spend on a superstar? Or have I just watched Moneyball too many times? Uh, really interesting question here by, by Brent, and I'm, I'm glad he asked it. So, number one, have they announced that there's been NIL stuff for Robinson? I, I, I fully believe that they're going to use NIL as a tool for player retention. I'm just curious if they've actually announced that that has, has happened. I mean, I think that's what you're going to see across college football. Guys who are not obvious NFL talents, you know, or if they go to the draft, they're kind of 50-50 if they're going to be drafted at all. Getting those dudes to come back, it shouldn't take that much money. Now, of course, you're not supposed to pay them for, for play, so it's their name, image, and likeness. But obviously, if there's somebody who is being considered by the draft, I'm sure they have a lot of name, image, and likeness value, of course. Uh, on verse, 
actually heard from multiple schools that there was no asking for NIL money. I actually think that might have been one of the reasons that some schools were confused on on where he was going. Because if he's not asking you for NIL money, you may not think you're going to be the pick. But I was told that was an old school recruitment. No, uh, no NIL money uh, asked for by versus camp. So kind of an interesting tidbit to to put there. So with those two things out of the way, getting back to the actual crux of the question, if an organization needs a lot of help, isn't it better to distribute those funds across a bunch of roles and improve our 2D rotation than spend it on a superstar? Or have I watched Moneyball too many times? Um, I still think the answer is no. You'd rather have Travis Hunter. You, you need the elite players. It's not that hard to get filler. They get filler all the time. Um, you need to get more top top players if you want this thing to work out under Mike Norvell. So I'm, I'm certain that they would rather have had Travis Hunter. Uh, you, again, you're not really going to get the super elite guys in the portal most of the time. You're having to spend a lot of scholarship capital, I mean, just in terms of the number of scholarships you use, in, in order to get a top guy. Josh Keller sent a... a, a uh, uh, an interesting question for us here. Uh, he said, hey, I love Murat's question about the direction of college football in the last show. Uh, and he wanted to clarify about somebody maybe challenging the Maurice Claret ruling. Would it be a good thing for college football uh, if guys could go pro after zero years or, or one year or two years? Uh, and would it help keep amateurism in the game? I, I, yeah, I think so. Um, as far as it keeping college football you know, amateur. Although it's, it hasn't been amateur for a long time. Um, in in spirit. I mean, it's kind of forced amateurism as far as not paying the players, but when you have coaches making $12 million and assistant coaches who otherwise would have to be coaching high school because they're certainly not going to get a, a look from the NFL, you know, making 900 k uh, it's kind of hard to claim amateurism. But the whole idea of, hey, if you're actually, if you want to be a pro, you can go pro. We're not going to force you to stay. It, I think that actually could in some ways be be good for the sport, potentially. Um, it could also be bad for the sport. Ask college basketball what, what they think of, of guys being able to go uh, after just one year. All right, Michael Wall has an interesting NIL question. He says, do NIL deals have stipulations that the player has to stay at the school for X amount of time before they receive any money? It seems like that would basically be a contract for college athletes to entice them to stay rather than jumping from school to school. So the answer actually is no. Uh, you cannot tie NIL money to an athlete staying at a specific school. Um, I think you can actually tie it to appearances and locations, though. So you could have a contract for a kid to do X number of appearances for you uh, at certain locations. And you could you could craft the deal in such a way uh, to where it would be difficult for the player to fulfill those obligations in order for him to get his money. For instance, you know, we weekly appearance at such and such, right? To where if you live in town, pretty easy. If you don't, that's not going to be very easy to fulfill. So, uh I hope that that helps you uh, answer that, Mike. 
All right, Jack asked a question here. He says, uh, is firing Dugan still a possibility, even though we're picking up a few receiver transfers? Two, uh, I know we aren't going to get Caleb Williams, but hypothetically, if we did, I almost feel like it would be detrimental to the team chemistry. Jordan Travis is so respected by his teammates. I think bringing in a talent that would likely immediately replace him would leave a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Maybe that wouldn't matter once we start winning more, though. Thoughts? So first, Jack, I have not heard anything on Dugan's receiving an extension. That's that it can't happen. Uh, I think issue and Norvell was certainly talking to and interviewing people this week. I don't know if he was inter- interviewing them specifically for the receiver position, but I do know he was you know, interviewing folks this week at AFCA for various positions, including some of the back office spots that are now open uh, in the recruiting side. However, uh, I don't think that these transfer receivers have any impact on Dugan's job security at at all. I mean, they're. I mean, who did you beat out to get those guys? Like, that's not it's not really a feather in your cap. And I'm not trying to to you know to to talk poorly about the receiver transfers, but it's it's a lot more quantity than it is quality right now. And I don't think that uh, that that has any impact on it. What I do think has an impact on it is your ability to present your internal optimism that you have for the program. If you are Norvell or, you know, Bruce or whomever is running the, you know, the ship there. Projecting that externally, right? Because externally, if I'm a coach looking at FSU objectively, here's what I see. Three wins. Five wins. Two of the most embarrassing things in program history, obviously the Travis Hunter thing and then the Jacksonville State thing in the last calendar year. Not a lot of momentum on the recruiting trail at all. And a new AD. Now, internally, it is their job to project, hey, this is a new AD who is fully on board with us. We've had a good working relationship with him behind the scenes when he was the president of Seminole Boosters. Now he is the AD in in Michael Alford. So he's somebody who's been there in lockstep. He's flown with us as we've gone to meet with big boosters and we've explained sort of the magnitude of the rebuild that is required. That's what you have to project to these coaches out there because they're probably seeing... Hey, if I go to Tallahassee, how long am I going to be there? That's what I would be considering if I was an assistant coach looking at that job. Or let's say I coached at Penn State or something like that, right? James Franklin just signed a 10-year deal. I think in some cases you would have to overpay for somebody so much to get them to accept. Whether the risk is real or not, certainly outside coaches are going to perceive that as a risk. And whether or not, I think certainly, yes, some of this stuff has been outside of Norvell's control. Like the first full recruiting class being a COVID class is a major detriment to you. Um, whether or not that is, that, that's not really his fault. Some of those things, they still happened. And they still are going to have an impact on the ability 
for Norvell and, Norvell and those guys to have success in Tallahassee. So you have to do a great job, if you're Mike, selling these potential candidates that things are better internally than they look externally. All right. The second part of this question uh, is, hey, like if you got Caleb Williams, would it be bad? Like, like would the team chemistry element be bad enough that it would be uh, uh, a, a problem? Um, no, I, I guys, Jordan Travis is a fine player, but I think he's actually fairly effective against some teams because of his athleticism. And he is improving as a thrower. But is he a top half quarterback in the league of the ACC? I, I, this year, I think it was kind of debatable, depending on, on what numbers you want to look at. If you could get a National League quarterback to come in, especially given his inability to stay healthy throughout his entire college career, you absolutely do it. There's no question. I don't give a damn about this team chemistry stuff if you can get an upgrade that is that big. Now, if it's a marginal upgrade, I think you have to dance around the, the issue a little bit. I think FSU should take a transfer quarterback uh, simply because I cannot trust Travis to stay healthy. Period. Hopefully I'm proven wrong on that. All right. Uh, Morgan has some questions, so appreciate the questions, Morgan. Can you, uh, can you please provide some insight slash a refresher into the hiring of on-field assistants and shadow staff. Uh, what influence do agents hold, and how do they exercise that influence? Does the AFCA convention uh, have significant impact for hiring in the upcoming year, or is it more networking for future years? Still an opportunity to have interviews with potential hires, or is the early signing period slash expedited coaching carousel timeframe diminish some of that? Where does the shadow staff come from? Uh, Bama runs a coaching rehab facility, but do other programs hire uh, for recruiting contacts, potential up-and-coming coaches referred to from folks in their networks, guys like uh, like an Ernie Adams who can uh, pad a game and are hell on film review. Ernie Adams, by the way, is the uh, is the guy for Belichick there uh, in New England who does all, all their charting uh, or all of the above. Fans always seem to yell, we need more staff. But I'd like to hear why the staff members are picked. It's a great question, Morgan. Um, so, uh, eight, what influence do agents hold? I would say much related to the answer I just gave in the last question. Agents are another way that that you can be helped selling your vision. If, for instance, let's say it doesn't seem more likely that a guy who has the same agent as Mike is more likely to say, hey, things are better internally than, than you realize. Guys are getting extensions. Guys just got raises. Whether or not you think you know, maybe they got finessed by, by some of these some of these races. Uh, the agent can say, look, like, trust me to go there. And you're more likely to believe your agent as opposed to going to work for a head coach who does not share the same agent as you. That's not to say that everybody on the staff has the same agent as the head coach. They, they don't, and they rarely do. But I will say the agent can also be sort of your own little search firm in terms of hiring assistance. He's going to know guys who he thinks highly of, who he wants to place in certain spots. But there's also a downside to this. If the agent does not think that the head coach is long for the job, he's not going to send one of his top assistants there because then that guy's going to have to go start over somewhere else, right? Would, 
if you think, hey, this guy at X school only has a year or two left as a head coach, are you going to send a top G5 D coordinator there who you think has a chance to be a real superstar? Probably not, because when that head coach and, and, and staff gets fired, he's getting fired with them, and it, it ultimately is going to reflect on him somewhat too, even if the the you know ball was all already rolling downhill by the time he got there. So agents definitely have an impact in this, I think more than, than people realize, uh, especially when things are not going well. Does the convention have significant impact for hiring in the upcoming year? Uh, yes, I, I would say that it does. Uh, even though the fact that, that the hiring cycle for head coaches has been pushed up a good bit due to the early signing period, you do still see a lot of interviews going on at AFCA. The coaches who are doing more interviews kind of get in Saturday night and they use Sunday when a lot of dudes are arriving to, uh, you know, to, to handle that. And a lot of interviews still go on, especially for some of these recruiting positions and for some assistant positions. Obviously, it's been pushed up some uh, and it's still a good networking event. I do wonder, though, how much did the recruiting cycle of 2021 impact how comfortable coaches are doing interviews with prospective coaches and assistants and back office staff over Zoom. You know, to me, that's something that like, I thought the staff did a fairly good job recruiting over Zoom in 2021. I bet you Mike Norvell is more comfortable on Zoom than he was before. I certainly am, and as, as are, I would guess, most everybody who works an office job. So I wonder how much that impacts how many interviews actually go on now at AFCA. Uh, and to answer Morgan's other question, yes, some back office staff are hired more for their football acumen and some are certainly hired more for their Rolodex and their recruiting ability. It's, it's a blend. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think that answers that. I, I, I sincerely hope that it does. Uh, Matt O'Brien wants to know, uh, John Reese Plumley. I mean, look, John Reese Plumley is a guy who is just not a good enough thrower, I think, at this level. I think him going to UCF makes a whole lot of sense for them, the, the old Miss uh, transfer. Uh, UCF going back to a, you know, committing to running quarterbacks makes a lot of sense when you think about what Gus Malzahn has had success with and, and why the world. Uh, Blake Dodson says, in the past, you talked about the progression of the offensive line, terrible, bad, below average, average, et cetera. Can you talk about the linebacker, receiver, recruiting staff in this context and how they remedy these issues? Certainly, but first, I do want to give a shout-out to the Legendary Home Loans team, Legendary Home Loans, 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. Chad and Shannon are diehard Knowles who have helped well over 200 Knollcast listeners get their home loan in, what are we, just over three years now, I think? So, great track record there. I mean, like, Tremendous feedback from our listenership over working with Chad and Shannon. If you need a home loan or a refi, now certainly a great time. And you want to give those guys a shout, 844-FSU-LOAN. So back to Blake's question here. <clears throat> Can you talk about the linebacker receiver recruiting staffs in this context? I, I actually don't think that those are positions where uh, that, that should take as long to, to flip. Ideally, recruiting staff, I, I don't really think fits here. Um, I mean, like they don't need to have progression from that to that. It's just get get the right guys in there and and pay them. Uh, 
linebacker and receiver linebacker you only play two guys so obviously the UCF transfer you took they think is going to be a good player for them and that seems to be they shouldn't have bad linebacker play again they should at least should at least be okay I guess receiver I don't really think there's a defined uh, a defined timetable right uh for that for instance we have a pretty good idea of what a how long it takes to rebuild a bad offensive line if things go well. Obviously, if things don't go well, then it could be infinite. But I think some things are are starting to uh, starting to emerge here with the O-line. Obviously, Schrader, given the injury, I think his impact is probably delayed by a year. So likely more of a 23 guy than a 22 guy, I would think. Willis, we'll, we'll see. Uh, he was a lottery ticket you took, obviously, and, and we'll see if they're able to get anything out of him and how seriously he takes football receiver though it would help to sign some guys out of high school obviously and uh and they didn't so we're going to see how, how right they are about these transfers obviously parchment last year i think they were wrong about they took him he was not an impact guy so um very limited sample set in terms of receivers for fsu uh in, in the transfer portal like i think it's one is the sample set. So really not a sample set at all. Right. But they're just, they're not bringing in talent at the high school level. So I don't really know how it's going to go. We'll see. Uh, in light of NIL above and below board recruiting practices, facilities, upgrades, coaching salaries, and so on. Do you think schools can now simply spend their way to success in the football field? And so, do you think FSU is in a position to keep pace with top programs? Uh, I don't think you can just spend your way to success. You have to have the right guy running it. There's a lot of things you, you have to um, you have to get right. Like it's not just hey, spend a bunch of money. Otherwise, Texas w- would win all the titles, and they certainly haven't. You have to have alignment. You have to have buy-in at the player and coach and administrative and booster levels. It still takes time. There's a certain minimum amount of money I think you have to spend in order to win. I don't think FSU has a problem doing that. Certainly, they spend a lot on their coaching staff. Uh, but they're not – I don't think they're ever going to be one of those teams that is a, a spend-to-win team. It, pretty much at, at all times in their history, they have had to somewhat moneyball it in some eras – or, or so, excuse me, some areas uh, with geography being the – and emission standards, obviously – being like the most uh, valuable parts of the job, as well as the the conference schedule, which if you do it right, should not be a difficult schedule to handle. Obviously, the last six years, it's been pretty tough with the conference schedule. All right. Let's go here to times 8.50. We'll do one or two more here, and we will uh, um, we'll get out of here for that. As Ingram probably knows, a regulation piece of soccer. Okay, I'm going to save this for uh, uh, and it's, it's congratulations on getting engaged to Ingram. Absolutely, we want. We also want to thank Matt Lewis at Congruity Congruity HR Solutions, tremendous partner of ours. If your business sort of solutions payroll, you can have a partner at Congruity and have just an awesome relationship with those guys. I think we're at four or five now. Uh, businesses who have partnered with congruity give them a shout today congruity hr and find out why 
All right. Uh, Matt O'Brien. At a minimum, what moves does FSU have to make for it not to, quote, get late early? I'm thinking of some sort of good, better, best set of changes that we can take as indicators that things are going uh, north, south, slash flat. Maybe make this into some sort of off-season checklist that we should look back to come the end of spring or the start of fall camp. This just feels like a better Ingr- like a question to do with Ingram. I, I like that. Uh, Ryan Logue, we'll, we'll end it on this one. Perhaps something that could be discussed in a broader sense during the offseason, but a few weeks ago, Bud mentioned it's getting late early for, Nor- for Norvell. Uh, I completely agree with the recruiting misses, particularly at linebacker and receiver. So that needs to be, be rectified. And I think D-tackle should be added here, by the way. Like, I don't know what the hell their D-tackles are going to look like in 2023. And that's the year you kind of have to win if you're Mike. Uh, so that needs to be rectified with some better recruiters. However, it's also known that during the early signing period era, the firing coach screws your next recruiting class. Let's assume NCAA keeps the ESP. Can we really afford to hire another coach in two years? Uh, this program's been flipped inside out and has gone through a lot of problems the last couple of years. We, we now have a new AD and a coach that is known for being organized and a great hire of talent. Is there something to be said for continuity? Uh, I just don't want FSU to become the next Nebraska just cycling through coaches through the door every three years in search of past glory. I'd like to hear Bud and Ingram opine, and we'll have Ingram weigh in on this when he comes back, uh, on just how long we should give Norvell versus pulling the plug in 23 or 24. Probably a different scenario, but it wasn't too long ago that Clemson wanted to run Dabo out of town, uh, but the admin stuck with him. He built a great staff, and the rest is history. Sorry for the long post. Just something I've been going back and forth with in my mind recently. I certainly do not at all want, want to, you know, quote, run Mike Norvell out of town. Um, my whole thing is, at some point, you have to get elite talent in at a job like Florida State if you're going to make a jump. Because you need to start making a jump if you ever want recruiting to go better. Early on, you sell hype. Then you have to sell results. Early hype, late, you have to sell results. What hype are they going to sell if this is a six or seven win team this year? Which, you know, I think is potentially what it is. Um, I don't know what you sell. Like, playing time, I guess, at some high school spots. I think you have to. But they're going to need to have a much better year on the field this year than I think they're going to have to kick recruiting into that next year. However, I do think patience is really pretty important. Like, I would not be going – no, like – I think you should use quite a bit of patience here for what Ryan suggested in the question, something I've documented and I don't know. So people probably privately have known this, but I, I publicly, I think I'm the first one to be like, Hey, early signing period, that little short clash you put together is usually a disaster. And it, it was for Willie and Mike's results are just as bad. Uh, and so are Mullins and Jimbo's and Scott Frost and basically everybody else hired in that early signing period. Uh, their, their first class usually sucks. So, um, I think patience makes a whole lot of sense. I do. All right, guys, I got to run a little 30 minute here. Uh, hope you all enjoyed this and we will, uh, we'll get back on it soon as we can. And I will talk to y'all 
next time.